Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello! Hey, how good is it to be alive? So good to be with you, Jess, Dave, and the listeners. A bit of free vibrato there for you. And let me just say, I wish I was never born. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch phrase? <laughs> loving it. Honestly, loving me it. Me too. I love it. Um, what a delight to be here. Um, let's catch up. Yeah. What have you been up to? I recorded an episode of my uh, bonus podcast, Phrasing the Bar, earlier that people can listen to on Patreon.com. Oh, that's cool. What were you guys doing this morning? I was doing the same. I was talking about the show Soul Man. Wait, Whole Lot of Soul? Whole Lot of Soul. Fuck off. I was just talking about that as well. And people can listen to that if they go to patreon.com slash do go on pod and sign up on the appropriate level with absolutely the bonus you get bonus episodes we've covered we uh we've realized that at the time of recording brendan fraser currently only has 12 movies left that we haven't seen yeah basically so, but he's starting to pump them out again yeah that's right he's got two uh, that are in post-production yeah so the podcast could go forever 
So uh, that's our show about Brennan Fraser. But how does this show work, Dave? Well, on this show, we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested to us by one of the listeners. We go away, do a little bit of research, bring it back in the form of a report. The other two people who aren't reporting have no idea what it's going to be about, which is Matt and my role today. Mm-hmm. And Jess, it's your role to tell us about something. So do you have a question to start? I do. <clears throat> Galaneers Cobb. Galaneers Cobb. Appaloosa. Appaloosa. Arabian. <laughs> Arabian. Horses. And- <laughs> And, a, and American paint are all types of what? I would have said apples. I would have said horses. Yeah, and you would be correct. Whoa. Was it Arabian that got you yeah. there? I thought Arabian might be too mm. what were the well f- known. What were the first two? I'd ne- they sounded like- Galaneers I- Cobb. Galaneers Cobb. <laughs> I was singing corn at this point. I was singing apples then. Yeah, that's when I went to Apple and I just didn't give it up. And there's an American paint horse. Oh, American yeah. paint apple. No, horse. <laughs> American paint <laughs> apple. Um, yeah, so all types of horse- because this is a story about a very special horse. Oh, a special horse. <laughs> uh, you do that whole episode? Oh. This is a, it's a topic that's been suggested by quite a few people. Um, David Baxter, Kieran Spillane, Ian Irving, Hannah Claire Oblivion, incredible name. Wow. James Claxon, uh, Jeffro A and Nick have all suggested this oh, okay. topic. Okay, until Nick, they were all banging names. Jeffro, and then Nick went up to another level. Yeah. Short, sweet, efficient, bada bing, bada bang. Nick, that's Nick. who I am. Love me or leave me. I'm Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't told you guys that my parents were considering calling my brother Nicholas. But then my dad was like, nah, I don't really like Nick. So then uh. they named him Michael and his whole <laughs> life we've called him Mick. Oh, my God. <laughs> and was your dad into that? Yeah, I, I think he's come to accept it. He calls him mate like a lot of Aussie dads do. He calls him mate. I mean, he could have called Nick mate as well. Yeah, it <laughs> wouldn't have mattered. Um, yeah, so why I- not? He had a problem with Nick in his childhood or something. Like, I just don't like Nick. I got bullied by a Nick. Yeah, but then he's got a Mick. Gonna Mick. Yeah, I love Mick, love Nick. I'm into both. Me too. Love them both. Um, they're all welcome here. As, I like Rick. As uh, anybody with the surname Oblivion. <laughs> Oblivion. Yeah. Nick Oblivion. I can oh, only assume oh. that was Nick's last name as well. Yeah, we can only hope. That's um, where you wish you were, Jess. Oblivion. Which I think if you've never been born, that's where you are. Right. Yeah. I would love to be an Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to be with Nick Oblivion. <laughs> Then you could be Dave Oblivion. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like if you're marrying someone with the last name Oblivion, come on, you're changing that name regardless of your like mm. of your gender, whatever. You're taking Oblivion. And we're we talking me? like Irish style O apostrophe Oblivion. Yeah, 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 beautiful name. It's wow. really good. Of the Oblivion. That's right. <laughs> of the Northern Oblivions. Um, so okay. a special horse. This is a, this is a special <laughs> horse named Sugar. <laughs> I like it. Or Sugar. Sugar Oblivion. It's S H E R G A R. It's what uh, James Bond Sugar. smokes. Sugar. <laughs> that is excellent. Stuff. I actually thought it was also <laughs> that a little is bit excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, sugar. Oh, oh that's so good. For new listeners, excellent and dog shit mean the same thing <laughs> no, on the show. <laughs> Honestly, I am not even being sarcastic. Wow, <laughs> it's peaked this early, people. We are. What are we? Five minutes in. Does not get better than sugar. Sugar. <laughs> Um, so, Shigar was a thoroughbred bay colt. I've learned a lot of new terms here. It's a lot of um, like horse racing terms and horse terms right. in this episode. I had to do a lot of Googling. You're on a bit of a, a horse glossary. Bay is just that, is a colour. It's that sort of reddish brown colour, a horse colour. Horse brown. Horse We've brown. talked about that before. 
and he had four white socks and a white blaze, which is a, a stripe down the front of his face. Uh, he was born in March, or he was foaled is what they say. Horses aren't born, they fold. Uh, in March of 1978 in Shashun Stud. Bad poker for that reason. Anyway, so. They fold, got so it. The cult, what, do you want, the cult is what, like a, a, a boy? Yeah. Young boy? Yes. I'm still wondering where this is going, so I'll let you continue. Mm. Well, I've just started too, so it could go almost anywhere. But it's about a horse. Because we've done a lot of horse topics. Have we? Yeah, we did uh, Dave's one about the horse that could count. Clever hands. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is the special horse. Mine was the smart horse. You've done clever hands. We've done Mr. Hands. We've also done- Well, we uh, didn't do Mr. Hands. The controversial- Oh, the fine cotton scandal. Fine cotton scandal. Which you can find on YouTube and in the podcast feed. Yep. So yeah. we've done three horses. Plus we spoke about Megatrots. Oh, Megatrots. In almost 400 episodes. 1% has, has mentioned a horse. <laughs> I would say we're a, we're a horse-based podcast. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're half at one of the stuff. Well, um, yes, yeah, so he was born in 78 at Shashun Stud in- That's uh, uh, how, uh, how often <laughs> Sean- uh, That's how often James Bond smokes cigarettes. <laughs> when would you like a cigarette? Shashun. Oh, you you've only arrived and you're smoking a cigarette. Shashun. <laughs> Uh, come on, this is good stuff. No, I don't think I don't think it, it tops sugar. Oh well, nothing. I told you nothing would. <laughs> Turn off now if you wanted to, because it won't. I really think quite a few would have turned off by now. <laughs> <coughs> so Shashun, where's Shashun? Shashun start? It's in 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 Ireland, in in uh, in Kildare. Um, Shigar's father was a British stallion named Great Nephew. Oh, that's confusing. There's a, there's a few fun um, horse names in here, so I mentioned them. Oh Not God. that they're important to the story, but his it's father fun. is great nephew. Great okay. nephew, who won several races in France during his racing career, and Chagas' dam or mother, seems all these fucking different words for everything, was Charmine, a seventh generation descendant of Mumtaz Mahal, a horse that is described by the National Sporting Library as one of the most important broodmares of the twentieth century. Whoa! <laughs> so this horse, Chagas. Is a nepo pony <laughs> comes from <laughs> comes from good blood, and somebody will he'll tweet us and be like, "Well, it's not actually a pony." Shut up! Mm, Shut okay. up! Let us say no pony. That was a bit it's funny. Fun. So Shashun, where Shagar was born, is the oldest continuously operative stud in Ireland or England. It was the first Irish farm purchased by the Aga Khan in 1923. Do you know anything about the Aga Khan? No. I was no, hoping Dave Shafikhan. might know something. Oh, Aga Khan is that the name of the uh- the Imam, the the um like a Muslim leader, sort of a spiritual leader. It's a, it's an interesting kind of thing. It's like an it's a, it's essentially like a family job. He's sort of like royalty, but without sort of having a specific nation. Right. Very but interesting. Based in Ireland. No, no, no. Um, well, he was born in like Switzerland, um, and sort of inherited this role from his. Grandfather, oh, like a nepo imam. <laughs> He's a nepo imam. Um, so he has held the position of imam um, and the title of Aga Khan since um, July of 1957. When at the age of 20, he succeeded his grandfather, Sir Sultan Muhammad Shah Aga Khan the Third. That is a that is a great name. Incredible name. So along with his work as a spiritual leader, he's also a business magnate and philanthropist and has a keen interest in horse breeding and horse racing. I really think those go hand in hand. Spiritualism <sighs> and, and multi billion dollar business. Yes, I agree. I mean I'm I'm making that number up, but I'm guessing it's big money. Oh yeah, yeah. He's worth billions. Yeah. That's to me, that is what spiritualism's all about. Just getting yourself back to the bare necessities mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, back to the bare billions. <laughs> 
I I agree. I know very little about um, the Aga Khan, so uh, if it's something you know a lot about, uh, I'm sorry. I, I tried and it was quite confusing to understand. But seems like kind of nice guy. Yeah, right. So essentially, the the the, the stud, the where these horses are being born and stuff, they they belong to the Aga Khan. So in 1979, Shogar was sent to England for training with trainer Michael Stout, who had a good year in 78, training two horses. Again, I've just mentioned their names for fun. Fair Selinia and Shangamazo. Wow. <laughs> Shangamazo. There's a lot of sh names. Yeah. Is, that, is that all based on that stud? Maybe. Who Being knows? a sh. And both what, of those what was horses. What the stud called again? Oh, the, the stud. The oh sugar the sugar no shishun shishun oh yes yeah yeah Charmaine <laughs> so confusing um so those two first linear and and uh, Shangamuzo had won multiple races between them so Stout was impressed with Shigar. he was easy to break he had a good temperament and he responded well to training and so on the nineteenth of September nineteen eighty Shigar ran his first race it was the Chris Plate which is now called the Haynes Hansen and Clark Condition Stakes. Wow, that really Catchy. rolls yeah. Yeah. off the tongue. But so the Chris Plate. Mm. Chris or Crisp? Chris, K R I S. Okay, who's Chris? No idea. <laughs> it was it was named that for like one or two years I think oh, and then it Chris changed. Chris lost the title. Um Lester Piggott was his jockey. And the pair were the favourites on the day with odds of 11 to 8. I don't understand odds. I, will, I put that in there so that you could explain it to me. Well, 11 to 8, that's... that's Is that good odds? That's... Uh, 11 to 8 would be very... Wait, I'm trying to think. If it's... Because you don't talk like that anymore. That's very old school, I right. think. Right. Because now you'd be like... It'd be into the decimals and stuff ah. instead. On the toad or whatever, it'd say like it's paying a dollar ten or something. Yeah, okay. So you put a dollar on, you win back. $2.10 if it wins. Gotcha. But what did you just say? 11, 11, 8. 11 to 8. So I think that is a, a short price favourite, I would say. <laughs> is that clear it up, Jess? <laughs> it's a short price favourite. Well, I mean, say. I'm assuming it's a favourite unless there's someone with short odds and someone will be finding oh, this very annoying. But 11. I could, I could have just said though. I think it's like a dollar thirty-seven. Right. Like you put on a dollar. Yep. You'll win back. Two dollars thirty-seven. Yeah, okay. So it's, you're not making a lot of money because it's because it's likely less, to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at his very first race, he won by two and a half lengths. So it's a, a decent, decent win. First ever race. A month later, he raced again, coming second, but catching the attention of the racing community. Following the race, Michael Seeley, the racing correspondent of the Times, thought Chagas' run was significant and that he was a magnificent stamp of a horse and one to watch over the following year. So through 1981, Chagas continued to race, winning races by 10 to 12 lengths, which is heaps. That seems like a lot. It's a lot. Um, commentating on one race, Peter Bromley informed listeners that there's only one horse in it. You need a telescope to see the rest. <laughs> Daylight second. Yeah. He won He won that race by 10 lengths. It was the largest winning margin of any Epsom Derby. Um, John Mathias, the jockey on the second place horse, Glint of Gold, another good name, said, I thought I'd achieved my life's ambition. Only then did I discover there was another horse on the horizon. So he's so far ahead. But he thought the guy a- coming second thinks he's won. <laughs> I'm winning. Oh my god, he's a is that sugar in the stands at the bar? <laughs> he's, he's already drunk half a pint. He's ordered me one, which is nice, I guess, but also feels a bit like salt on the wood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, imagine that. <laughs> they go so far away, you forget about them. Yeah, 
they're, you're looking across, they're doing the medal ceremony. Yeah. You're seeing oh. it all unfold in front of you. You're still just going it as hard as you can. It's like it's happening in slow motion. <laughs> They've gotten married, had kids. <laughs> the horse and the jockey. The horse and the jockey. Oh, well, I was thinking a horse and a horse, but hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. But hey. 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 Hey, who, who am I to judge? Who am I? Well, I think I'm in a pretty good position to judge that one. <laughs> okay. I'll say, and, I, and I'm going over your head here, Jess. Bestiality is wrong. Matt, that will not age well, okay? People will be listening back to this in 10 years and they'll be like, wow. 10 years? So ignorant. (laughs) What you're saying now Mm -hmm. is already aged poorly, I would say. Me? Yeah. No, I couldn't. I could never age poorly. (laughs) The only way is up for me. I guess I don't know. Anyway, okay. Um, so he's he's absolutely smashing it in a racing career that spanned almost exactly one year. Shigar won six races and came second in one. So he's just smashing it out, racing a lot. A quick rise. Yeah. His final race was the Saint Ledger Stakes at Doncaster on the twelfth of September, nineteen eighty one. Ten days before the race, a story was published in the racing newspaper Sporting Life that Shigar had not been practising well and had become mulish. Stout stated the rumours were untrue. Shigar was running well in the race, although the soft ground was not to his liking, but on the final straight, when jockey Walter Swinburne tried to get him to accelerate to the front, the horse would not respond. (laughs) He's like, eh. (laughs) Shigar came in fourth, 11 and a half lengths behind, cut above the winner. Some great horse names. Yeah, that's a bit of nominative determinism. Yeah. This comes in fourth. Surprised by the manner of the loss, Stout and the Aga Khan ran a series of tests on Shigar. They're sort of like, something's got to be wrong here. All tests showed the horse was in good health and he worked well in training after the race. The Aga Khan explained to a journalist, he was just an exceptional athlete. All through the spring and summer, he completely dominated European racing in a very dramatic manner. And after he'd run so uncharacteristically in the St. Ledger, we knew something was wrong but didn't know what it was, so it was an easy decision to retire him. So... You know, a meteoric rise, a quick career. Yeah, he just, they've gone, he just can't be fucked. Yeah, yeah. he's over it. And, as, you know, as far as a uh, you know, big drop-off, still finishing top four in a big race is... Not bad at all, is it? Bad. So following Shigar's uh, der- Epsom Derby win, a group of US horse owners had offered $40 million to syndicate the horse. This is in 1980. They don't usually realise they use the term syndicate mm. for just spread its seed. So oh, they mean? No, they. I yeah, I guess like so. Breed it. I think it's uh, just a show on the regional affiliates. <laughs> That's right. Uh, coming up after Seinfeld, Shigar. <laughs> so it's I. Well, I guess yeah. I guess it kind of is that because the Aga Khan turned down the offer and instead decided to syndicate Shigar for ten million at two hundred and fifty thousand pounds for each of the forty shares. It was a record price at the time. He kept six shares for himself, and the others were sold individually to buyers from nine countries. So he's sort of still. Holding a fair. So it just bit. means it's it's like selling shares. So it's like so you hear of sometimes like a big maybe a Melbourne Cup winner will be owned by a syndicate, yeah. and it might be a, you know hundreds of people who have all paid a yeah. couple of thousand bucks, and yeah. they get this time they get a one percent share oh, or a point five percent share. Or something. Syndication by he's retired, but we're going to breed this horse with all the other which horses. which I think I think they're going to do. But yes, but he's but you buy a share of that, and then you get per. 
stud fee or whatever. Well, that's I guess right. Jess so, is about to explain. So, yeah, my next sentence. <laughs> Sorry. The shareholders had the option each year of selecting a mare to be covered, which was just uh. to mate with sugar, or of selling that option on. So they could also sell the like if somebody had a mare that they wanted to mate with sugar, but they weren't a stakeholder, a stakeholder could sell them that opportunity. What a strange business and what world. What a weird. So and yeah. this is all because the their kids are gonna be fast horse you runners, probably. So, yeah. But they've got four, so forty times per year, forty bangs per year. Yeah, and the stud fees were sixty to eighty thousand pounds per cover, which meant that shareholders could expect to make a profit from the stud within four years. That's a good investment. Yeah. But what a strange investment. It's so strange. You're investing in jizz. (laughs) You're pimping out a horse. Oh, you absolutely are. And then being like, well, all right, you can buy my you can buy my route. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't feel like rooting the horse this year. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't say it had to be with the horse. I think that was strongly think, implied, yeah, sir. I think I'm going to have to write that in your contract. <laughs> but the, the, I guess the danger would be that, you know, the horse gets sick or or something like that and it doesn't even make it through four years and then that's the only way you'd lose the money, I suppose. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or if early on the, the offspring don't seem to be doing well. They work out the horse know. is infertile. <gasps> yeah. They didn't realise it's a gelding, which means that it's Nads lopped off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So many nads. We should have checked that. Oh, did anybody check the nads? <laughs> we got to check the nads. We didn't realise it was a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that could go straight to Hollywood, though. <laughs> are they quick? Racing stripes. Yeah. Uh, as fast sequel? as a racing horse? Oh, great Surely question. not. Great question. Well, it depends. Is it a thoroughbred giraffe? Okay, I'm going to look up top speed of a giraffe. You look up top speed <laughs> top of a racehorse. Top speed of giraffe. Okay. Okay. I've got a, I've got a maximum. I've got a miles per hour. Have you got that? I have got a kilometers per hour. So there's no way we'll ever be able to figure this out. Okay. Oh, let me convert because I know it freaks you out. <laughs> I don't get miles. I'm going to look up top speed of a zebra. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Okay. So before we reveal their top speeds, who do we reckon? Zebra, giraffe, racehorse. I reckon giraffes are bloody quick. I'm going to say racehorse. Yeah. Just because they've got race in the name. Yeah, I think racehorse. Okay, you want, you want to go the- And we're going Ks per hour. K I've, per got hour. The ca- I've got the, the fastest recorded race time for a thoroughbred per Fantastic. hour. Okay, Matt, you go first. Top speed of a zebra. According to San Diego dot mm-hmm. 56Ks per hour. Oof, that's, that's pretty quick. fast. That's pretty fast. A giraffe, according to Google.com. <laughs> 60Ks per hour. 60Ks per hour. There okay. you Very go. Close. What about a racehorse? Racehorse. According to horseandrider.com, okay, which yes. I trust with my life. Yes, mm-hmm. as you should. Fastest recorder time for a thoroughbred is 70 kilometers yes! per hour. I was right. I knew it would but be a racehorse. It's in the ballpark, and that's the fastest bo- ever. Yeah, totally. They're all very, so, and so- A giraffe's gone 60Ks an hour. And, and zebra is- Zebra's 56, but that's like just your that's average zebra. Incredible. So I think wow. I think oh. racing stripes, was that based on a true story? Well, I hope so. <laughs> hey, happy to be wrong, but that, I and think we've all- And if it wasn't, le- it's, it's going to inspire our yes. true story. <laughs> <laughs> we've all learned something here today. Um, so the horse is retired and the Aga Khan decides to keep him um, at a start in, in Kildare at uh, Ballymany. I'm saying that wrong? I'm so sorry. Uh, this is from uh, Wikipedia, a great horse racing website I found, wikipedia.org. The W is for whipping horses. That's correct. Um, <laughs> which is outdated. Yeah. Or they, they still do that overseas. Australia, they pretty much They don't whip that. them anymore? They made the whips really soft and they're only allowed to whip them a couple times. Wow. Okay. That's weird. Just make none of them be able to whip. Then yeah. they're all equal. Yeah. <laughs> 
So this is from Wiki. He arrived in October of 1981 and was paraded down the main street of Newbridge. Milton Toby, the writer on thoroughbred racing and equine law, judges Chagar to have been a national hero in Ireland, one of the most recognisable sports personalities, horse or human, <laughs> in Ireland. Wow. What year is national this again? National hero, 1981. All right. A horse is a national hero. I'm I'm still curious, is, is this just an episode about this horse that was really good at running or is there some wild twist coming up where it turns out it's a giraffe or something like that? <sighs> Sorry if I spoiled it. <laughs> Ruin everything, <laughs> and I hate you. It ends up, you know, no, Matt, it's gapping just a, a second career on Wall Street. It's just a story <laughs> about a really fast horse. Mm, I believe it was pitched as special horse, which <gasps> I'm wondering what oh. that could mean. Well, special, it's special speed. Yeah, I just meant like a really fast horse. It's faster than a giraffe. You guys always want something like different and interesting and crazy to happen, but like sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> Fact is crazier than fiction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean? yeah. And this horse was crazy fast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Faster than anyone could imagine in fiction. No one could imagine a faster horse. No one could horse. imagine. Um, so he's, re- he's made a return back to Ireland. He's an absolute hero. The following year, 1982, was Chagar's only rutting season. That's Fuckfest 3000, baby. Oh, it only had one rut fest. Yeah. He made it with 44 mares. 36 <laughs> of them became pregnant. What a, what a guy. 44. Whoa. 36. Successful, so that's a pretty good hit rate. That is a really good hit rate. Mm. He's fertile, has got balls. Um, 17 colts and 19 fillies were born. Three of them won group races in later years, so he did have you know some pretty good genes. He passed down. How, ma- how many won group races? Uh, three of them, three of them. So you know, three out of 36. <laughs> pretty yeah. good. It's almost 10 percent. I've there's part of me is wondering, he really fell off a cliff here. Has it been swapped over for a giraffe? I know you're looking at me like, drop the giraffe thing, but I just think a giraffe plays into this somehow. Okay. <laughs> and that okay. would make sense why it's such a small percent. Like, because I think if a giraffe made it with, you know, 36 or 44 uh, mares, mm-hmm. you're not going to get none. They're not all going to get pregnant. It's going to be low on that because I don't think giraffes and horses generally have babies. And that's why it's only 36 out of 44. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's, I'm thinking they've switched it out for a giraffe before yeah. its mm-hmm. final race. The giraffe which maths add up. Which says it's slightly less fast. Yeah, but still finishes fast. Finishes fourth. Not fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So the draft probably would finish fourth. Yeah. So I think that maybe is what's happened here. Zebra okay. was fifth. It was a very strange race. And look, we're, <laughs> we're going to need to edit all this out because you're spoiling the big oh, surprise. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I could have picked any animal and I said giraffe. Idiot. At the start of February 1983, Chagar's second stud season was about to begin and he was in high demand and had a full book of 55 mares to cover. He was expected to earn one million pounds Ooh. for the season. One million pounds for one million pounds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 54 pounds. Yeah, it was very efficient. Really? One, one and done. <laughs> one and done. <laughs> uh, done. Next. Next. Uh, next. Uh. So he's heading into his. his <laughs> They're playing popcorn. <laughs> and done. <laughs> You're welcome. Can someone animate that? <laughs> You'll end up on a list, but it'll be funny. <laughs> the list of coolest short <laughs> movies ever. <laughs> so he's heading into his second stud season. However, Uh-oh. on the 8th of February, 1983, at around 8.30pm, three masked men entered the house of Jim Fitzgerald, the head groom at Ballymany. One of the men said, we've come for Chagar. We want £2 million for him. Whoa. 
The three. The th- Wait, they've come for. But we've <laughs> we won the money now. We haven't got them yet. We're, we're they've done the they've done the ransom before the kidnapping. They're just letting him know. Hello, we're going to kidnap your son tomorrow, and we want ten million dollars. They're the Babe Ruth of horse kidnappers. They're already pointing to the stand. Three million yeah, th- for this. For this. this one here. We're about to take it. Yeah. Back up the trailer. <laughs> The three men who entered his home were just were just a part of a larger group. Resources say it was between six and nine men in total. Fitzgerald's family were locked in a, into a room while he was taken at gunpoint out to Shigar's stable and told to put the horse in the back of a trailer. A horse trailer, not just like a, one they've rented from Bunnings. Trailer. Just a yeah. horse standing there. <laughs> yeah, from, from Bunnings. The courtesy trailer. <laughs> 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 what a, a beautiful horse, service! A horse standing on it, <laughs> a horse standing on top, of, on top of a lawnmower. <laughs> we haven't dropped off what they actually bought from Bunny. <laughs> well, I mean, we were going this way anyway. I just thought it's easier. Shigar was driven away in the trailer, and Fitzgerald was shoved into a van. He was made to lie on the floor of the van, and his face was covered. And he was driven around for four hours before being let out of the van near Kilcock about 20 miles or 32 k's away from Ballymany. He was told not to contact police or his family would be killed. Ooh, that is scary. So he's dumped in the middle of nowhere. He walked- Oh, a bit rough on Kilcock. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's near Kilcock. Okay. <laughs> he's not in Kilcock. He's not in the city centre. He's like, I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere. Because I know that our listeners in Kilcock would be like, <laughs> yeah, Jess, come please, on. Yeah. come on. Come on. we got some beautiful sights and sounds. <laughs> in Kilcock. Yeah. Oh, what do you think we're named after? Yeah. It's lovely. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lovely. Lovely. It's probably Killock, but it's funny. Come on. <laughs> Come on. There's, there's a comedy pronunciation and then there's Killock. Yeah. So Fitzgerald walked onto the next village uh, and called his brother to pick him up. On arrival back at Balamani, he rang uh, uh, Gislain Drion, the manager of Aga Khan's Irish studs, to inform him of the theft and urged him not to call police because of the threats that had been made. Drion attempted to reach the Aga Khan in Switzerland to inform him, then rang Stan Cosgrove, Shigar's vet, who was also a shareholder. Cosgrove contacted a retired army captain, Sean Berry, who was a manager of the Irish Thoroughbred Breeders Association. Berry contacted Alan <laughs> Dukes, a friend of his who was serving uh, as the Minister for Finance, who suggested that Berry speak to Michael Noonan, the Minister for Justice. Imagine what the message is by the end of this. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Noonan and Dukes told him- Sean Connery needs someone to smoke. <laughs> Shagar. Noonan and Dukes told him to call the Garda, the police. By, um, so they did all that to get back to just call the it cops. It keeps man. going. Uh, by 4 a.m., Drion had managed to contact the Aga Khan, who told him to phone the Garda straight away. Um, the force were then contacted, but it was eight hours after Shigar had been stolen and any possible trail had already gone cold. <laughs> it took six men and eight hours to decide to call the police. I lo- and I love how the Aga Khan is like, oh, they're threatening, oh, your family. Call the cops. Oh, that's, that's fine. fine. That's fine. That's right, call the cops. Why, why'd you call me? Call yeah, the cops. Call the cops. What, am I the cops? Am I the garter? Yeah. What are they going to do? I'll kill your family. Yeah, call the cops. Call the cops. Yeah, we're, yeah we're talking about a horse here. Yeah. Okay, my horse. My, my horse. horse. Let's call the cops. Yeah. That horse is going to make a million pounds from fucking. And I'm a billionaire. Okay. So it's nearly nothing to me. <laughs> but I like a little extra on yeah, the pile. But, but the only thing worth less than nothing to me is your family. Is <laughs> your dog shit children. <laughs> They're, I've seen their artwork on your desk. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you suspected something was happening. Did you think horse napping? No, I I was thinking it was going to be maybe. It was just it was interesting that the 
the quality of the run dropped off so quick. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe there would be an, a switch or something. Yeah. But um, you think it'd find cotton. Yeah, I think I'd find cotton on the brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got cotton on the brain, all right, mate? <laughs> Not much happening upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Cotton wool up there. You know what oh, I mean? yeah. He's an idiot. <laughs> call me fine Cotton Eye Joe over here. Yep, that's, what almost, that's, yep, no, that's exactly what I was saying. Edit that bit out. Nah. Um, so the very first contact that the thieves made after the horse napping was the same night that they'd taken Shigar. Um, Jeremy Maxwell, a horse trainer in Northern Ireland, received a phone call demanding £40,000, although this figure was later raised to £52,000. They'd also said when they... Got Fitzgerald. They said we want two million. So it's very confusing. No, we want forty thousand. Actually, hmm. inflation is a lot. <laughs> Fifty-two. No, sorry, no. I've miscalculated. I want two million pounds. <laughs> Just to be safe, uh, Maxwell was told that negotiations would only be with three British horse racing journalists. Mm. They're like, we will only talk with these three journalists: <laughs> Derek Thompson and John Oxy of ITV, and Peter Campling from the Sun. That's weird. That's we will weird only demand. negotiate. With these journalists. Are these just horse racing fans who want to meet their idols? Yeah. God. <laughs> oh, I really want to meet those guys from You're ITV. You're going the long way around here. Yeah. yeah. Just rock up at their work. Yeah. <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, who are the Australian equivalents? You know, Bruce our McEnany. famous- Bruce McEnany. Oh, yes. Of course, Bruce. Loves I can't remember a, like an, a sporting event that hasn't had Bruce McEvaney. Mm. What about Peter Donegan? I have no idea who that is. Fantastic horseman. <laughs> Peter Donegan, great work out on the track, Peter. Yeah. What about um, <laughs> what, what some of the old uh, 12th man, Kenny Callender. What about Kenny Callender? Yep. Mm-hmm. Get Kenny in. Yep. There's our three. There's our three. Great. I mostly want Bruce. Um, from an article from the BBC, it's a bloody great article. Says Thompson says he got a call at three in the morning asking if he was willing to go to Belfast. He checked with his bosses at Thames TV and was on on board the plane that afternoon along with his two colleagues and a camera crew. He said the scene that greeted him at Belfast Airport was incredible. It was like being a film star. There were cameras all around. The news of a lead in the search for the uh, equine superstar had spread. About 100 cameramen and journalists were in or outside the Europa Hotel as Thompson and his co-negotiators arrived. That's where they were told to meet, which apparently was a um, that hotel, the Europa Hotel, I think, was bombed several times during the Troubles. Uh. So it's, it's it had like a – it was a significant – kind of place um, and it was known and, and potentially didn't feel very safe. So they arrived there. Thompson said he was trying to push his way through the press pack when a voice from reception said, Mr. Thompson, would you pick up the hotel phone? At the other end of the line was a voice Thompson described as cold, chilling. It gave the agreed code word, Arkel, the name of a famous Irish steeplechaser, and then warned Thompson, we're watching you from across the road. Wow. Can I just ask the man of a thousand noises, what would a cold, chilling voice saying Arkel, what, what does that sound like? Just Irish as well. And Irish, Irish, of course. Where? Cold, chilling Irish. A particular spot in Ireland? Um, Northern. Northern, okay. <clears throat> Kilcock. Flar, Shar. Our. And what was the word? Arkel. Arkel. And this is a chilling. Chilling and cold. Okay, are, you, are you answering the phone? Yes. <laughs> the cold wire does. Arkle. <laughs> Incredible. That is chilling. Wow. I feel chills to the cold. Oh, he's still, oh, he's still acting. Oh <laughs> what about we're watching you? We're watching you. 
<laughs> from where? Where are you watching? No, I'd have to say. Yes, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Can you please speak up? I'm, just, <laughs> it's, I'm in a loud yes, pub. We were across the road in town. I can't quite hear you. Watching you over here. <laughs> You're watching me from across the road. Steve Urkel. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Urkel. Amazing stuff. I forgot to tell you the second code word is Steve, <laughs> Steve Urkel. <laughs> Thompson looked out the window and saw a row of dingy bars with darkened windows. This was Belfast at the height of the troubles. Any optimism he had about his role had gone. So he's feeling a bit spooked. The article goes on to describe a pretty wild and full-on night. So Thompson's told to lose the press. You know, they were going to meet him at the pub, but there's all this press there. We we know that. Lose the press. And get to an isolated farm 30 miles from Belfast. (laughs) Get out of here. Let's give him a bit of a thumb pointing to where you can shove it. Take it elsewhere. Tell your story. Walk in. Hey, jog on, bucko. (laughs) Jog on to the farm? Yeah. 30 miles from Belfast. Straight out of a movie, the three men made their escape through the pub's kitchen and into a waiting car at the service entrance. As they drove, Thompson recalls, we were lost, totally lost. It was the middle of troubles. We were miles outside Belfast, going up a single track road. Suddenly, five guys in balaclavas and machine guns appear in front of us. We slam on the brakes and I think, hang on, these guys are just going to spray the car. They've got us. Uh, they've got us over not to negotiate the release of the Derby winner, but to kill us. One of the men with with a gun approached the car and gestured to Thompson to roll down the window. <laughs> he did, and the man asked, "Are you Derek Thompson?" To which Thompson replied, "Yes, I am." And the man in the balaclava said, "We're the police." And Thompson replied, "Well, thank God for that." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need to see some evidence of that. Yeah, ah, oh, the balaclava will do, man. <laughs> this is a official uniform balaclava. <laughs> I don't know what more I could. You can't just get these. Yeah. We're, the, we're the good guys, so just trust everything we say. Follow us. Here's my photo ID. Yes, I'm wearing a balaclava in that <laughs> shot as well. Huh? It matches. Okay. <laughs> so the police took the group to Jeremy Maxwell's farmhouse and over the next eight hours, Thompson took between 10 and 12 more phone calls, each beginning with a different password. So obviously at the end of one phone call from the from the thieves They'd set another password or something like that. And who was the police the ones telling him to come to the farmhouse? Yeah. So they wanted him. Okay. So they, they legit are the police, these Bellaclava yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, And now he's making more But then more how, calls. Does the, how do the thieves know to call it Jeremy's place? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Wow. Um, so he's having all these phone calls with them um, and they're kind of trying to negotiate like um, – uh, and Thompson tried to keep the caller on the phone for 90 seconds, which was the length of time the police needed in order to trace the call. But the caller seemed to know that and always hung up around 80, 85 seconds, wow. just missing out. And every time they have to call, they end up calling about 17 people over eight hours between every interaction. <laughs> That's right. Finally, at 1am, Thompson managed to keep the conversation going for 95 seconds. Amazing. Was he like, oh, I need to think about this. Can I just count to 90, please? <laughs> One... <laughs> Two, three. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, fuck yes. I got but he it tricked him by saying he started counting after 10 seconds. Yeah. And the guy's like, perfect. I'll just hang up at 90. <laughs> <laughs> got him. Got him. <laughs> Fucking idiot. So he turns around to the policeman on his shoulder and said, did you get it? Where are they? Only to be told, I'm sorry, Mr. Thompson, but the man who traces the calls went off shift at midnight. Oh, you are. <laughs> Who's the fucking idiot now? <laughs> oh, that is, wow. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> He's like, I did it. Ah, uh, yeah, we didn't trace it. Yeah, so. sorry. Didn't anyone tell you? Only Brian can do that. I don't know. I don't know how to log in. I don't have a password for that system, so. 
So they're talking on the phone um, uh, quite a bit, obviously. I said 10 to 12 calls, but they're not really getting anywhere. The kidnappers want a payment of like an initial payment of 40,000 pounds, but Thompson's asking for photographic proof. Like he's asking for some sort of proof that the horse is – that they have the horse. Like and send us some sort of horse's head or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just so we know the horse is still alive. Give yeah. us a little piece of the horse. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Give us something here. Come on. Come on. Come on. We'll show good we're faith. Not, we're not paying you £40,000 <laughs> yeah. for a dead horse. Yeah, come yeah. on. We'll take the hoof <laughs> at the can, very least. At the bare minimum. <laughs> it's so close. <laughs> saying the whole word. Um, <laughs> at the same time as the journalists were in the farmhouse- the thieves opened a second line of negotiation by contacting uh, a Ballymany stud director and speaking to Drion. Drion was not a fluent speaker of English and struggled to understand the Irish accent of the oh, caller. Oh, my gosh. And the caller similarly had problems with Drion's heavy French pronunciation. 90 minutes later, the caller tried again with Drion asking him to speak slowly. A demand of £2 million was made for the return of Chagar and for a contact number in France through which further negotiations could be made. I don't really like it's I don't know why. So the syndicate which owned Chagar brought in the risk and strategic consulting firm Control Risks to handle the negotiations. So they're taking this so seriously. They're like, we need this fucking horse back. We've all put a lot of money into it. He's going to make us a lot of money. Yeah. We need our horse. We need to bring in. <laughs> the professional negotiators who come in and they go, all right, who's negotiating? That man who can't speak English. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fucking hell. <sighs> um, this is not going to work. Yeah. Same as the uh, negotiations with Thompson, the consulting firm asked for proof that Chagall was alive. Now he's lost two hooves. (laughs) As there'd been speculation from the media that the horse was dead. Um, From Wikipedia again. The thieves said that a representative of the syndicate should go to the Crofton Hotel in Dublin and ask for any messages for Johnny Logan, which is the name of an Irish singer. Stan Cosgrove went to the hotel and asked for any messages. Armed members of the special detective unit... Um, were present and in undercover. Um, no message was delivered and Cosgrove returned home. Uh, like he waited for a little while, no messages, so he went home. Shortly afterwards, the negotiators received a phone call from the thieves, angry at the presence of the police and threatening that if any members of the gang were captured or killed, the negotiators and police would be murdered in retribution. So they're like, don't think we didn't know there were cops there. you got to take this seriously or we're going to kill you all. It's a bit full on. On Saturday, the 12th of February, the thieves contacted negotiators and said that proof had been left at the Rosemary Hotel. When this was picked up, it contained several Polaroid pictures showing Chagar. Some of the pictures showed the horse's head next to a copy of the Irish News dated 11th of Feb, so the day before. So you say, send us the horse's head. They're sending a picture of the horse's head. (laughs) And like a a guy in a belly club with a thumbs up. (laughs) It's all good. It's fine. We got this. Got, got him an apple. He's happy. Yeah, he's really happy. Cosgrove saw the photograph and confirmed that it definitely was him, although he added it wasn't proof that the horse was alive. At that point, you'd want to get much more definitive evidence. If you'd seen the complete horse, it would have been different, but this was just the head. Right. He's you like, want the complete horse. You want the whole horse. You should be able to tell from the eyes if it looks alive or Yeah, not. True. Um, its but tongue I guess, was like, hanging out, and there was a lot cro- of blood was, on its cr- neck. There was crosses over its eyes. Yes, <laughs> there really. were, and then coins on top, <laughs> and the fairy man was there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's if, hard to tell. But if you get the full shot of the horse, how do you not know it's not just like four kids dressed up? Oh, that's true. true. I was going to say like if you got if you got a picture of it standing up, but it could be asleep. 
Yes. But that doesn't mean it's dead. Yes. Mm. Oh, it's tough. It was a very famous horse then as well. So, there were there already Halloween costumes and stuff. Very large. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Sugar. <laughs> yeah. The number one most must-have costume for the previous yeah. Halloween. Chuck on four socks. You're sugar, baby. <laughs> sugar. The idea of paying ransom was pretty much out of the question anyway. For one, the Aga Khan was only one of 35 members, so he couldn't negotiate or pay on behalf of the others. But he was also unsure- whether the Shigar would be returned, even if the money was paid, and concerned that if the kidnappers' demands were met, it would make every high-value horse in Ireland a target for future mm. thefts. So it's a precedent. Ha- you imagine uh, he's got that in his wallet, probably a couple of million. Yeah, but yeah, the precedent's what he's worried about. Yeah, and like, and then some people disagreed. Like, there were some some pe- members of the syndicate that were like, you know, if if this was a child, we'd pay. And they're like, yep. Yeah, but this is not a child. <laughs> Show me one a child that can make a million dollars in one season. Yeah. Oh, wait. I, I can't. Can't. Especially doing what Shigar was supposed Just to do. Maybe That's Shirley really- Temple in Shirley her heyday. She's grown up. Okay. <laughs> Let her go. She's not a child. Let it go, man. Current day. I don't, I don't know if I could name a current day child star. Is um Haley Frankie Osmond. Munez still? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yours is slightly more current than mine. Only by, by about three years. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, oh, okay. Okay. What's Macaulay, what's what's Macaulay up, to? up to? And what about the whole Culkin crew? Get the whole Culkin crew. Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin. What's Kieran Culkin doing? There's another Culkin as well. Yeah, well, the third Culkin. The third Culkin. Culky. Culky Culkin. 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 <laughs> Get the Culkins in. Oh, get the Culkins in. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the Culkins between them can make a million in one season, <laughs> but not one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just from rooting. <laughs> Once you get Hollywood fees yeah. on top of that. Oh, my God. You know, Kieran's on succession now. Yeah. I'm sure it's Fuck great. Off. Fuck off. Now, as I mentioned before, because it took- eight hours for them to call the police in the first place, police investigations were hindered from the very beginning. Mm. They're like, oh, okay, so this was ages ago, cool. This <laughs> sounds like the police making excuses before they even get going. It's really funny. That crime happened eight hours ago. Honestly, the statute of limitations has basically run out <laughs> yeah, at this point. We would have. If you called us straight away, we definitely <laughs> would have solved it. That's though. really on you, It's not a us. loophole, eight hours, you know. Yeah, don't, come don't on. It's the eight-hour rule. Yeah, and, of course, you're not allowed to report a- Horse missing until three days, but (laughs) even still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There'd also been a local thoroughbred auction the same day as the theft, meaning there were a lot of horse trailers travelling around in the area, making it difficult to determine which one was the stolen horse and which way it went. Uh, That's clever. It's pretty clever. Sort of, you know, like the the cup and the ball and the, yeah, yeah, where's the horse? Separate up, separate up. Yeah, like that. Ah, shell game. Don't let the- What was that? (laughs) A shell game. A shell game. Shell game. Another horse. Heard, that was his you, brother. <laughs> I heard you go, ah, shell game. Oh, shell game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leading the investigation was Chief Superintendent James Murphy, a highly experienced detective. In his first press conference, Murphy described how he was slightly concerned about the theft and told reporters, I have no leads. But from Wiki, Murphy had a strong Irish brogue, wore a trilby hat, and had a self-effacing sense of humour. At one press conference, he announced a clue. Now, that's something we haven't got. (laughs) (laughs) I love this guy. Several people claiming to to have paranormal powers contacted the Garda with Mm -hmm. their thoughts. Murphy reported that divine- Sorry, with their thoughts? As in, like, they contacted them 
Telepathically? No, I think they contacted them traditionally oh, okay. to share their thoughts. Oh, okay, damn. I was mm. going to say, because if they contact you telepathically, you can't say you, you don't can- have any yeah. powers. <laughs> yeah, okay, I believe you. Or I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. uh, Murphy said, diviners, clairvoyants, and psychic persons, they're in three different categories. They must be running into the 50s now. So they've had heaps of people contact them and be like, I psychically know where the horse is. Right. During one press conference, six photographers turned up wearing similar trilbies to the policeman. <laughs> the Times called him a stage Irishman. I just had to look up what trilby meant. That's classic. Yeah, and that's Sean Connery wearing it. Um, <gasps> one- so, as in like the camera people have like worn them because they're like, this guy looks cool. I want to look cool like Yeah, him. totally. Like they're, he's, he's, starting beca- a trend. he's become a character. That's the best. There was a um, there was a documentary in two thousand and four called, um, oh, and, and and a reviewer called Murphy the most richly comic copper since Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> <laughs> After eight days with no progress, he was replaced as the public figure of the investigation, but continued to lead it. That kind of read to me like he was becoming a bit of a media sensation himself. Yeah, and it was a bit distracting it's on the case. Time to shine. Yeah, they're all just like this guy fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. Look at his fun hat. What are says, we talking about again? He says funny stuff. I like it. So, with no definite news of Shigar's whereabouts and with the Garda limiting the information they released to the press, the media took to speculation to cover the story because they're like, we don't yeah. have a lot of facts, so we just got to make some shit uh, up. Oh, that's classic journalism as far as I'm concerned. The lamestream media just making it up, hey? <laughs> Hey, do they have a clue? <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> these, buddy, these goons. You know, sorry to rag on your uh, profession. Those well, are my peers. Yeah, they are. <laughs> okay. Carl Stefanovic and the like. Yes. Who's your hero in the journalist world? Oh, probably Sandra Sully. Sandra Sully, yeah. Great. With the late news. That's, that's sounds Tracy about Grimshaw, right. Tracy Grimshaw, oh, yeah. Current Affair. <laughs> yes, yes. Ah, uh, yes. The Grim, the Grimshaw. Or the Grim Roper. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing current about that affair. <laughs> That's all show. You don't have to pipe in, Dave. If you got nothing good <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that, was, that was too honest. <laughs> that was cold. I'm sorry. That I'm was sorry. cold. No, Jess. that was great, Dave. That was very witty. <laughs> How I saved it. Or on about that affair. That's, <laughs> that's good banter. I don't know if you heard my, my late news, that'd be right. That was good stuff. I don't really get it. Is it because I'm stupid? No. No, it was just having a go at Sandra Sully. Yeah, yeah. Being late with the news. Ah. She, was, she used to host the late news. There have been a few group chats where someone's <laughs> nickname's been changed to Sandra Sully <laughs> because they've- <laughs> They've come on. They've come in with a little bit of story or gossip or something that someone had said like yep. half an hour earlier. Yep. A little bit of like in a footy chat, like, <laughs> "Oh, it looks like uh, someone Kerno has been suspended or something." And then someone else comes and said their nickname's so about to be Sandra Sol. <laughs> nothing current about that affair. Does it work? Does it work? Ah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So these are some of the speculations that the media were. Um, we're speculating um, that Shigar had been stolen by Colonel Gaddafi as part of a deal to supply arms to the IRA, that a Middle Eastern horse breeder had stolen him for stud, that the mafia had undertaken the action to punish the Aga Khan over a previous sale of a horse which had gone badly. And according to the tabloid newspaper Sunday Sport, Shigar was spotted being ridden by the missing Lord Lucan. <gasps> no. Previous report topic. Whoa. Wow. So somehow Lord Lucan has stolen this horse and is riding him to safety? Maybe. 
Apparently. Whoa. Incredible. How cool is that? I'm reading it like, Lord, look, and that rings a bell. Lord, Who was the other guy in that report? John Stonehouse. That's right. And that episode was called The Tale of Two. Are two missing parliamentarians, uh, I believe it yes. was, because they both went missing from the UK, both parliamentarians, within one month of each other. And so now we know that one rode off at record times. Yes. <laughs> Such a good report. A great story. Um, so. <laughs> just like, because you were just like, oh, that rings a bell vaguely. Beautiful story. Well told. No, I remember it being a, a wild ride. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Almost as wild as Lucan on that horse. Yeah. Uh, eight weeks after Chagall was stolen, Stan Cosgrove was approached by senior detectives within the Garda who introduced him to Dennis Minogue, a horse trainer. Minogue claimed to have a contact within the IRA who had shown him a photograph of Chagall um, and said that he could help get Chagall released for a ransom of £80,000. The Garda asked Cosgrove to assist them in a sting operation to lure the thieves out. Cosgrove agreed and on the 20th of July, 83, Detective Garda Martin Kennerons Ken Irons, probably, assisted the operation. He put the money in the boot of his car in a remote village, which Minogue was to collect once the horse had been released. The following day, Ken Irons found the boot of his car forced open and the money missing. Minogue had also disappeared and the money was never recovered. No. Oh, my god! They just stole the money out of the back of the they car. They just got – it sounded like it was a setup, but how poorly they – they just left the car on. Just put the unguarded. money in the boot. Their garter is their name. I know. We'll put the money in the boot and we'll use it tomorrow. And that detective You know where it is, but don't get it until tomorrow. We're trusting you. Don't get it until you've given us the horse. We want the horse back, then you can have the money, which is in the boot, just there, in that car right there. We're going to leave it. We will not be watching it. We won't be watching it, obviously, because we know that you won't get it until we've got the horse back. We're mates, right? Mates don't let each other down. My mate let me down. He had his fingers crossed behind his back, Minogue. Yeah. Danny Minogue? Yeah, Yeah. Danny Minogue. Um, Any relation? Of course. Yes, it's their dad. Um, that detective was dismissed from the Garda for breaching regulations, but always maintained his innocence that, you know- He was, wasn't part of it. It wasn't part of it, yeah. So, I've mentioned the IRA a couple of times. So, police and intelligence sources considered the IRA as the most likely suspect behind the theft. And, and a lot of places will sort of say the horse was stolen by the IRA. In October 1981, the IRA Army Council, the leadership group of the organisation, approved the kidnapping of Ben Dunn, the head of the chain of Dunn stores. It's like a, a chain retail place. Um, What's its equivalent here in Australia? Is, is it a big uh, W type? It fi- uh, maybe. Myers? It could- a, re- a rebel? It's probably more of a Myers, right. Myers David Joan kind Ooh, of. Sort of pretty f- little I think fancy. So. I think uh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> and they, well, I, mean, I don't know. And it's Dunn's, and they got the Ben Dunn. They got they, the Ben Dunn. Yeah. So oh Irish multinational retail chain that supp- primarily sells food, clothes, and household goods. So not rebels. My apologies. Okay. No, it's not rebel. That's sporting goods. Sounds like it's the only thing with food as well. <sighs> Sounds like heaven. But yeah. it's like David Jones used to have food. Fancy chocolates. Yeah, exactly. I've never been in one, but they look fancy from the outside. They never let me in. You're pre-banned for life. (laughs) You were born banned. (laughs) Don't you think about it. (laughs) Nothing in here for you. (laughs) Uh, I think you you might be a little more comfortable at a big W or a target country. (laughs) See, I've never been in a big W. I'd never lower Um, myself to that. That's my my (laughs) go-to. Or it was. Don't know if they still exist. I think so, yeah. Yeah. How do you know, Dave? I've walked past them okay. and spat through the, <laughs> the security. You fancy boy. <laughs> I'm on my way Noth- to DJs. <laughs> Nothing fancier than spitting on a department store. 
<laughs> you probably wouldn't even know how to spit, would you, pleb? <laughs> they don't teach you spitting at public school, do they? I'm a bad spitter. Yeah, I've, I, I don't know how to spit. And you see, like, uh, professional sports people, very good spitters. You know, cricketers who can spit through the guard on their helmet Ugh. get great power and oh, accuracy. Yeah, amazing. You know how you don't like poop chat? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I spit hate spit chat. I don't like spit chat that much. Either. Well, then why would you fucking start it? Dave did. I did because I love spit chat. Dave loves all gross things. He's, yeah. the, he's the grossest boy. Dave's the grot of the group. He is a grot. <laughs> Dave Grot Warnicky. We won't give you Cobra as a nickname, but I think the grot might stick. <laughs> Happy. Guilty as charged. Gro- little grotty boy. Little grotty boy. <laughs> the more disgusting the TGB. better. TGB. Let's change the uh, the nickname in the group chat okay. ASAP. Yeah. The little grotty boy. <laughs> little grotty boy. <laughs> and I want to be the big fella. <laughs> all right. What am I? Well, by the end of the episode, we'll have something. Great. Um, so anyway, they've they've kidnapped Ben Dunn. Who's the like the the namesake of yeah, Dunn? Yeah, yeah. He's like he started oh my it all. Gosh. He was released unharmed after a week, and both the Dunn family and the Garda deny that a ransom was paid. Okay, but then but they paid it in vouchers <laughs> for the cook the kitchen section. That's right, only the kitchen section. Pots and pans <laughs> Pots only. Pots and pans only. Nothing on sale. <laughs> no labels. But according to intelligence, subsequently. Received by uh, by some sources. After the success of the operation, it was decided to undertake another ransom um, through kidnapping or theft, this time of Shigar. So I don't see how they could see it as a success if they hadn't got some money from it. I reckon they did. Yeah, surely. It, it must sounds have like something. they don't want to admit that, yeah, we paid up because it obviously encourages it a bit more. It's mm. embarrassing yeah, for the Dunn family yeah, yeah. or whatever, but... He's released unharmed after a week and they got nothing out of it. Come on. Come yeah, on. and then sources- They got a, like a staff discount card they or got something. Exactly. Yeah. Inside sources are saying like uh, it was such a success, they decided to do it again. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. how could it be a success if they yes, hadn't got any money? Yes, must have been. And, it, and so so they've decided, okay, well, we'll do it again. We'll we'll kidnap Shagar. Yeah, we got heaps for a person. We got heaps more for totally. a Totally. And here's the thing, right? Shagar has never been found. What? What? It's a mystery episode. What? You're kidding me. Nope. Oh, my God. How long do horses live? Is it still alive? Okay. Another thing to Google. Sorry. Horses I'll, I'll live in their 20s, maybe. Up I'll to look up how long a giraffe lives as well, just for comparison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, majority of racehorses have a racing career of only two to three years, yet their life expectancy is 25 to 30 years. Okay. Well, the giraffe still slightly, slightly behind again. 26 years in the wild, slightly longer in captivity. Hmm. Okay. So, so I think we found the superior animal here. Mm. Horse. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah okay, great. Horse, so, yeah, how good are horses? It's got a, mon- it's, it's got a, a no, giraffe I, on all accounts. I honestly just confused myself. Freaking I was like, horses are we saying are horses better? Yeah. Horses so are amazing. Good. They're so good. I mean, giraffes are great. Don't get me wrong, but, but a horse. Like, but oh. uh, maybe it's just the that we see horses more. But I look at a giraffe and I'm like, how the fuck do you exist? Yeah. Crazy. How's your too neck top so long? heavy. You know when they like flick their head around yeah, too? Yeah, don't oh, like it. That makes me think like, oh, I'd pull a muscle. I'd yeah. pull a muscle, I would. They're all neck. <laughs> so, never been found. Yeah. I can't a, believe it. It's a mystery. Um, so, in 1999, a guy called Sean O'Callaghan, a former member of the IRA who had been working within the organisation as an informant for the Garda, uh, since 1980, he published his autobiography called "The Informer: The True Life Story of One Man's War on Terrorism." So he's a he's a spy. He's an informer. He's inside the IRA, but he's working for the Garda. And in his book, he says that two weeks after Shigar's kidnap, 
IRA member Jerry Fitzgerald told O'Callaghan that he'd been involved in the theft and that Shigar had been killed early on in the process after the horse panicked and no one present could cope with him. This is like a big, strong racing horse. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, we don't know what to do with this horse. Oh, they didn't get any horse people involved. In the process, the horse damaged its left leg and the decision was made to kill it. This is what one guy's telling O'Callaghan. So this is possibly. Poor Shigar. From Wiki again, according to O'Callaghan, in August of 1983, in an effort to raise the money that they'd failed to do with the Chagar theft, Fitzgerald and his group attempted to kidnap the businessman Gallen Weston at his home in uh, County Wicklow. The Garda had been forewarned and took over the house while Weston was in the UK. After a gun battle, Jerry Fitzgerald uh, and three others were arrested. They received long prison sentences. O'Callaghan stated that essentially the same team that went to kidnap Shigar went to kidnap Gallon Weston. So it's kind of like corroborating a story of like the police are aware of this attempted kidnapping. Um, so it kind of lines up. Writer Milton Toby queried O'Callaghan's story saying the IRA informant was a confessed informer whose life depending on his ability to weave a convincing web of lies. Without more evidence, O'Callaghan's story is just that. An interesting story. Oh, okay. So he's kind of like discrediting him. But remember Derek Thompson, the racing commentator turned negotiator, he thinks Sean O'Callaghan was legit. In the BBC article it says, details have subsequently emerged which have only strengthened his conviction. A password that he had never revealed was included in the book written by Sean O'Callaghan who claimed the organisation had planned and committed the theft. So Thompson is like never told anybody one of these passwords and Sean O'Callaghan mentions that as a password and he's like, well, that how would he know mm. that mm. if he's not like somehow in, not involved but if he wasn't in those Privy. conversations. Exactly yeah. right. In 2008, a special investigation by the Sunday Telegraph obtained information from another IRA member who said that O'Callaghan had not been told the full story because the gang was so embarrassed by what happened and this is what they say happened. A vet that the IRA had arranged to look after Shigar didn't turn up because his wife threatened to leave him if he did. And again, I got wives, am I right? Oh, my God, they ruin everything. Everything. Once the IRA realised that the Aga Khan was not going to pay, the Army Council ordered the horse to be released. But believing they were under close surveillance, it wasn't safe to release the horse without incriminating themselves, so they killed the horse instead. That's another sort of version of events. But we still don't have the answers and people still speculate what happened to Shigar. No body has ever been found and people speculate where he could be. O'Callaghan said that as far as he knew, the remains had been buried on a farm of an IRA veteran um, from the 1940s. Derek Thompson believes the kidnappers took Shigar to the south coast of Ireland and following the incident dumped his body in the sea. He has no evidence to support that theory but says it would at least explain the lack of a corpse. <laughs> yes. But there's also been, like, people have, you know, been digging stuff up and found, like, horse remains and people go, could it be Shigar? But it's like, I've got no evidence of this, but, but that's what it kind of kind of works. <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. deny it would, it would work. If we'd, like, if they'd lit a big bonfire or they'd pushed him off a cliff or he'd been in a pond somewhere. <laughs> I mean, did, it, it, it works out. It makes Just, sense. If, if you think about it. It makes sense. <laughs> um, Let's drain the oceans. <laughs> Just in case. Just, in, Just case. in case. There's a bit of a legacy as well. In 99, in honour of Shigar, the Shigar Cup was inaugurated at uh, Goodwood Racecourse in West Sussex. It was later moved to Ascot Racecourse and is a competition between four teams, Great Britain and Ireland, Europe, the rest of the world, and an all-women team. 
<laughs> okay. Um, the winners of the competition are presented with a trophy showing Shigar, and this was donated by the Aga Khan. And finally, um, it was, I mean, it's been turned into a few, like, there's lots of documentaries about it. There's a few. Racing stripes. Racing stripes. Um, we Bought a Zoo is also about it loosely. Um, Jack and Mary wrote a porno. That's right. That's, that's, that's based on Shigar. People don't know that. Um, so that's a great bit of movie trivia you had there, Matt. Thank you. Um, but the theft was also dramatised as the film Shigar, directed by Dennis Lewiston and starring Ian Holm, Bilbo frickin' Baggins, and Mickey Rourke. And who was Mickey playing? An, an Irish person, the let me tell you of that. The horse. Okay. I've seen little trailers. It looks horrendous. Who's Bil- who, who, uh, Bilbo Ballins? Baggins. Baggins. Ian Holm. Ian Holm. H O L M. H O L M. You know Bilbo Baggins. No, I do not recognise him at all. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? I think I have. Probably not. I don't recall it though. Well, I thought it was exciting. No, Um, that is. But it was mostly that Mickey. But I've heard the name Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, because it's from Lord of the Rings. But I thought Bilbo Baggins was um, the guy who played Rudy. What? No, don't worry. (laughs) I don't know who Rudy is. It doesn't matter. It's a guy from Encino Man. Oh. Whoa. No, Sean Astin? Sean Astin, no. No, he's Samwise Gamgee. Well, that's a name I've never heard of, but I do know Sean Austin. Okay. He's played Sam. Okay. That was that was a wild tale. And there was so much of that negotiation was so hard to follow. Totally. What was going on? It, and it, like it was, and that wasn't just in my writing. And of they it. never figured like it never figured it out. It was so convoluted. To- it, it absolutely was. And like um there was some sort of uh, there's, there's a whole section about it on Wikipedia that was essentially like people were like, why the fuck have they done this? Right. There's no like clear objective. It seems like it was possibly for like media attention or to just cause a bit of nuisance or who knows. But, they were, yeah, the fact that they've gone, we only want to talk to these three journalists. Yes. And at the same time they're also calling somebody else not completely related and it's and, and, and asking for different amounts of money. And yeah, like wildly different amounts. Yeah. It's so like between forty grand and multi millions. Yeah, really strange, isn't it? Yeah. Have they kidnapped a, a horse? Was it like two? They've broken up into two different factions. They know the horse is dead now, and they're both just trying to milk out as much money as they can. Well, yeah. That one we- group's going. We'll just let's ask for something achievable. Forty grand. Yeah. <laughs> I read something that um, somebody was saying that they've probably split into like three groups, where like there was. Two groups kind of negotiating with the two different sanctions, and then there's another group that's also looking after the horse or deal- hiding the horse. Really strange. There was also like issues around because um, the horse is insured as well, because um, it's worth so much money. Um, I'm just like I'm just finding it now because I didn't include it. But uh, essentially, in classic insurance, because uh, insurance like they'll they'll do everything they can not to pay you, right? Oh my god, are they going to claim we haven't found the body? It could still be alive, that kind of thing. Well, um, uh, the insurance with Lloyd's of London observed that while theft was clear cut, the demand of a ransom meant that the action was considered extortion rather than theft, which meant the uh, mortality and theft police po- theft policies did not have to be paid out. So they're like, well, this is extortion, not theft. So right. we don't have to pay you anything. I think, like, I, I, I love a loophole. They definitely got some insurance money, but definitely not all that they maybe thought they were. Well, you know, they 
they were making money out of a horse rooting. Yeah. So, you know, yep. maybe take a moment and think about what you're doing. Yeah, I don't, I didn't feel <laughs> Do that Do you feel bad. comfortable with this? Making millions of dollars out of some horse rooting? <laughs> Just think about it. It's a bit Just weird. Just think about it. That's all we're asking. Just have a think. Yeah, okay. Now we've had a think about it. I can say that I was confused because Bilbo Baggins was also played by Martin Freeman. That's what I think tripped gotcha. me up. Yes, yes, yes. He yes. was like young and old in the movies, I guess. Right, and that's why you, their thought, flashbacks of, and that's why you thought of Sean Astin. In the Who's the friend of him, right? No, doesn't yeah. matter. I'm thinking of a, a third guy. You're thinking guy. of- um, The guy from Wilfred. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking of Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Okay, exactly. but I'm glad we got there eventually. Because I imagine people were yelling at their iPods. Anyway, mm-hmm. does that bring us to the end of the report of yes, Fantastic and Wild great. Tale? I've never heard of it. Me either. No, I love one I've never heard of. I know a genuine surprise when you say it's a mystery. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I grew up loving horse racing mm-hmm. and uh, I've slipped out of it a bit, but still I just fucking love those horses. They're such beautiful animals. And it is. It's a, yeah, it is. I, I get why it's, people love it. They're just watching them run is pretty awesome. Mm. But, yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Anyhow, uh, that brings us to everyone's favorite section of the show where we get to thank some of our fantastic Patreon supporters. Before we get to that, Dave, I just brought in a little package. Do you mind opening that up? It's from our ah, friend sure. James. Get that. Oh. oh, my goodness. Is this what I think it is? I think. Well, I don't know, <laughs> but I think it could be. <laughs> well, I'm thinking it is. A do goes on beer. That's oh. right. And that's what the label is saying. Fantastic. James is the official do on podcast brewer. Yes. And this is the second batch. Second batch. Um, oh, have you seen on the side here, 
There's a question. Have you read this before? No. We'll see if you can get this. This is what uh, James's beer says on the side. It says, uh, as always, to get us onto a topic, let's start with a question. In the US, what cocktail do Americans celebrate on the 10th of July? 10th Ooh, of July. 10th of July. Because the 4th of July is probably some sort of red, white, and blue cocktail. Mm. That, so purple. They've got a distinctive flag over there that's red, white, and blue. <laughs> <laughs> It's only, they're the only ones. Um, the answer is very close to my heart and my taste buds. Ooh, oh, pie. Uh, uh, cherry pie. Do Apple you pie. like pina coladas? The answer, pina colada pie. The answer is pina coladas. <laughs> pina colada. This is a, that's what this is, this is a pina colada do goes on. That's a pe- Oh, wow. It says, just a little Christmish pina colada sour made with pineapple, lime, and coconut to help say, how good is life? <laughs> and that that might give give you a little hint as how long it took me to deliver those <laughs> yeah. to you. It's the end of April. I now. picked them up off James uh, from Bodrigi, where he's one of the brewers there, which is a great pub in uh, brewery in in Melbourne. Do yourself a favour. But um, yeah, I picked them up before Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> and I forget every time I see you two, I'm like, ah, oh, damn. Weekly. It. Yes. And there's a little asterisk here saying, best drunk while in international waters. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Let's get on a barge. On a barge. We'll crack a few open. Thank you so much, James. Thank you. Love it. What a legend. Um, but now we've got to thank some of our fantastic Patreon supporters. Uh, and uh, the, you can get involved if you get along to patreon.com slash pod. There's a bunch of different levels, different rewards. You know, you can get bonus episodes. You get uh, access to the nicest corner of the internet, the do go on Patreon Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get to vote on topics like Jess's topic today was voted on by the listeners, I believe. Yep. And that is right. Uh, you know, you get a Christmas card on certain levels. You know, it depends. There's lots of different stuff. Anyhow. Something for everyone. Uh, one of the things we like to do is called the Fat Quota Question section. If you sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level, you get involved in this. This actually has a little jingle go, something like this. <laughs> Fact, quote, or question. Ding. He always remembers the ding. She always remembers that she loves to sing. And <laughs> the way it works is you get to give us a fact, quote, or question, or brag, or suggestion, or really whatever you like. You also get to give yourself a title. I read four out each week, and I don't read them until I read them. And here's the first one. It comes from Katie Clays, a.k.a. CEO, brackets, charismatic, egotistical <laughs> overlord. <laughs> Cult leader. Close you got brackets. my vote. And Katie's got a question writing... I've been binging a lot of time travel stuff of late and wondered if you were equipped with the DeLorean with every episode of Do Go On on tape, would you use it to go back in time and change the future? If you had the DeLorean, would you go oh, back? So we have to listen to our own podcast while we travel back in time? Can we put something else on? That's the monkey paw part of it. Oh, right. <laughs> Constantly. You can right. go change the time, but you got, you got to listen to yourself. Okay. Jesus Christ. you got to cringe. Especially the early stuff. I'm like, shut up. Oh, yeah. I'm like that with all the stuff. Just my voice <laughs> sounds different. Does it? Yeah, it's it's dropped as, yeah, I've, yeah. as I've aged. Mm. It's matured. Uh, so, would we go back in time and change the future? Oh, that shit's super dangerous, though. It is it? very dangerous. Yeah. But what if I could go back in time and make us bajillionaires? Okay. Maybe we could go back and put some money on some of sh- I've already forgotten his name. Shigar. 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 You know? Yeah. The- Go, we, we bet it's going to finish fourth. He could have made a fortune yeah. betting that it would finish fourth specifically. Mm-hmm. So much so that I think he'd get done for f- race fixing. <laughs> I'm going to say, I mean, I've, I definitely probably would, but I also probably shouldn't. Yeah, I don't you, know if it's a good idea. You know that episode of The Simpsons where he kept accidentally changing little things and then donut was raining from the sky and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And he ended up having to live with a, a life where everything was the same, apart from everyone had lizard tongues. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. That's a scientific show. I think maybe I'd go back in time and try not to change the future, but maybe just to experience Yes, time. that's try more what I'd to, like to do. Yeah, I'd like to be experiencing it, but I don't want to ruin everything. Hmm. So at the same time, I don't want to ruin everything. No, okay. but maybe you could, like, because I feel like you could, you'd try to make it better, wouldn't you? You know, warn people about COVID, stop World War One, all yeah. that sort of thing. Kill but, baby Hitler. Yeah. Um, but sure, that would change so many things that there would be other tragedies that would come from it, surely. Do you know what I'd do is I'd go back in time with the money that I have now mm-hmm. and I'd buy a house because uh-huh. I probably could. Yeah. Like a whole house. Yeah, yeah. If you go far back enough. Right. And then I would, I would, Go back to now, and I'd I'd have had a house this whole time. Uh, nice, but what you have to do to make the currency, you know, travelable, you'll have to convert it into gold bullion or something. Mm. Take it shove it up my ass. Th- yeah, shove it up your ass. You're gonna have to awesome. gold mule yourself back to the past. Shit out the gold, take it to the bank, gold and then mule buy yeah. the house. Okay, are you willing to do that? That seems like a bit of work, doesn't it? Mm. Ah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a yes from Jess and a no from Matt. No. Also, I feel, I mean, I feel very lucky. I've lived a good life. But there's, yeah, there's definitely, you know, people have died young that I could save their lives and stuff, mm. which is tricky because you don't know what the flow on effects mm, of that. That would up. mean other people don't live. And, of you know, course. it's, it's, uh, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Yeah, it's almost too much pressure. And here I was just thinking it's the only way I could get into property. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're thinking I could save people's lives. I'm like, mm, I could. Have a home. <laughs> yeah. And I think that sums us up. <laughs> You're always thinking about houses and roofs. Yeah. Well, I play The Sims. Oh, yeah. So it's always- You're always thinking about building houses. Yeah. I am. You're a constructioner. I am. Katie Clays, thanks so much for that. You are an egotistical overlord. <laughs> no doubt about it. And you've really messed us up there. The next one comes from William Hofstadler. Something that Katie didn't do, didn't answer her own question. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, that you? would have really taken the pressure. If we we need to see someone else before we go, oh, okay. Yeah. We need a starting point. We're sheep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> William's title is Arg. <laughs> and That's nice. Yeah. I think that is very nice. Like Sum, sums up William pretty well. Yeah. William's also asking a question writing, what animal would you ride into battle? <gasps> Oh, well, for me, it's got to be a giraffe. I love those things. Yeah. They're quick. Gather, they can see. They're not too quick. From, they can see for miles. And I'd also, I'd sit on its head so I'm up high. Nobody oh, can yeah. get me. Can't get me. All oh, right. Can't get me up here. You'd sit on the head. Interesting. I'd go elephant, I think. Same oh, yeah. sort of thing. Size, you know. I'm magnificent beast. Stop fuck you up. I'll go um, hippo. Good one. It's sort of like it. it's, uh, you know, land and water. Totally. Yeah, we'd be... Bring the scuba gear, though. It potentially would drown me. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're tied I don't to the think, back. I don't think an elephant would, and they can swim. Yeah. Mm, but hippos can't. Remember, they, they go to the bottom and then they run along the yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. So they're you too heavy to swim. Definitely drown. <laughs> what about a rhino? They've also got that horn. Oh, I think you could win with a rhino. Or a wombat. Uh, William says, personally, I would choose goose. <laughs> oh, fantastic choice. You'll die quickly. Yeah, very, very quickly. But it'll be really cute in the meantime. <laughs> Are we talking about goose the dog? I assume, I assume so. so. Oh, okay. He didn't say a goose yeah. or he just said goose. Yeah, he just said I would choose goose with a capital G. <laughs> so so that's, I think that that's, is that's, that's the animal. That's the dog goose. He was, he on goose. <laughs> but honestly, you put anything on top of goose and he has a little meltdown. So yeah. 
Um, Crumbles. He'll flick you off real quick and then he'll run into battle and because he'll want to say hello to everybody and then they'll kill him very quickly. Mm. Hello, Knight and Charming Honor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's done. So we're going in with a giraffe, an elephant, and a rhino. Yes. yes. Fantastic. I think we're going to look great. I yeah. think we're fantastic. Next to, <laughs> as we get slaughtered. Is it and us three versus goose or God? I guess so. Good luck to goose. I was thinking William would be with us. Yeah, great. And, with and, us or against us. And everyone else would see us and they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can't we talk about a peaceful solution? And we say, of course we can. That's what we wanted in the first place. Yeah. But uh, I did promise my elephant it could fuck shit up. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. So I'm glad we're coming. We're going to use our words, but my elephant is going to destroy your house. Yeah. But it'll- It'll spare your family. <laughs> if you can get them out in time. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> uh, thank you, William. The next one comes from Daniel Ryan, a.k.a. too tired to think of something clever. Can you make something up on the spot, Matt? No. <laughs> um, Daniel Ryan, uh, DR, doctor, doctor of annual iron. <laughs> uh, the answer is still no. And Daniel's got a question writing- Hey, two of the stars from one of my favourite shows when I was younger, the Lex Luthor and Clark Kent actors from the TV show Smallville, have a rewatch podcast where they discuss the episode and the behind-the-scenes stuff from every episode. Sorry to shout out another pod. Ha ha. How dare you, Daniel. Ha ha. And my question is this. If you could co-host a rewatch podcast with the stars of a show, which show would you choose? If Matt wants, I'll allow him to rewatch Saints games and have players of the game on. Oh. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, Daniel's got a, an answer. Do you want to hear it? Sure, yes, please. Yes, please. My choice would probably be Supernatural. I think the stories behind that show would be fun to talk about with the actors. Thanks, and keep up what you do. Daniel Ryan, you keep up what you do. Mm. Mm. I think that I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I would host, host. I would host a rewatch podcast with Bob Franklin, and we would watch the episode of The Librarians that I was in when I had one line. Oh yeah, great! And that would be the only episode. What we'd was discuss. your line? I don't think I've seen that. Uh, Matt will enjoy this. Do you think it's the same in Back to the Future Part Two? Thank you. That's a great line. Wow. And what scene. was your role? I was a film buff. Wow. I was a film student. Someone was giving a, a film presentation in the library and I'd gone along and I had to pop, pop up my question and ask a very nerdy question. Was yep. Bob the director? No, Bob Franklin was in the episode because he was one of the, the main cast. My, who was? It was the Wayne Hope and- And yeah. Robin Butler uh, was their show. Yeah, what is, uh, the Gristmill Grist production Mill, company. Yes. Um, I think Wayne Hope was directing. So funny. I still think one of the funniest things I've ever seen is an ad he was in for Soup. <laughs> And apparently they just sort of let him go. They they let him do yeah. it. It's like I don't remember it. Love and he's it. sort of like being serious, but it's this blender, and it's he's no good, and it ends up just being a canned soup thing. I'm like, that's just let funny people have fun, and they'll make better ads. Then no offense to ad writers out there. I think you do fantastic work. Yeah, yeah clearly they take up most of your brain space with their <laughs> with their jingles. But yeah, that, that was so funny. I love, it's it's obviously a, t- a ticket back into the yeah. to the big time. If you host, a, if you used to be on a TV show that was has a cult following, like The Office or something, yeah. ten years ago. Now you just watch the rewatch podcast. But imagine if I did the full a full season. Yeah, we just talked about my one line with different actors. That's good. Could I do the same for Ronnie Chang's show? Absolutely, you should. My uh, line, which was, um, fuck off, you nut fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> even better. That's great. And your character was nut fuck? Uh, no, Ronnie was dressed as a, as a bag of nuts. And I was just a uni student walking past. 
But you were about 48 years old at that time playing a uni student. Um, have you heard of mature age students? <laughs> <laughs> and I was 117. <laughs> That's, uh, that would be, I'd listen to that, ep- that, that episode, I'd listen to that series, mm. listen to that whole podcast. Sounds great. I'm not a narcissist, so I don't want to watch myself. Um, okay. So I think I would do The Golden Girls oh, with yeah. Betty White. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, that actually wouldn't be so awesome. I think I'm probably going to take up Daniel on, on old Saints episodes. Fuck, it'd be Parks and Rec. I'd do Parks and Rec. What the fuck am I talking about? Poirot would be Rec. great because it's like am different casts every week. <laughs> Parks and Rec, you've already done Golden Girls. I don't know, I'm Jeez. Doing, doing Golden yeah, Girls. I think Poirot would. <laughs> Poirot. And also, actually, though, who am I kidding? I would absolutely watch uh, Diagnosis Murder with Shane Barry. Oh. Oh. And every week you and could play Dick. Shane Barry and Dick with Shane Barry and Dick. Wow. Exactly. See, would- their answers change. Yeah. That's nice. And I call it diagnosis fun. Oh, yeah. That's great. I mostly um, just couldn't remember any of my lines from shows I've been in, so I'd- and I don't think they were very good. Yeah. Yours are good. Yeah, my line was great. Mine was, I was, a, like a, I was, a, I was also in a, a Wayne and Robin show. Investigators. In- investigators. That sounds right for a podcast. And I was a, what's my call it? Librarian. No. Cafe owner. A fucking greengrocer. Dog yes. wrestler. I was a dog wrestler. You had a dog, though. That was in Naomi's show. Ah. Uh, um, my only other credit. Check me like out you, on Netflix. Sounds like you got, you got two podcasts you can start then. Yeah, wow. That'd be fun. Fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Daniel, for that question. There's so I'd too many, you know. I'd love just imagine Simpsons with the Simpsons cast would be pretty sick. Imagine oh. like all you had to do for a podcast was watch an episode of a TV show. Oh, yeah. Like we're idiots that we've set ourselves up with homework. So much homework. But we learn. We live. I don't learn. And we laugh. You learn. I laugh. That's for sure. I definitely retain something. I got nothing, but God, I laugh. <laughs> uh, the last one this week comes from Sophie Tutor, and that's how you pronounce it. Don't let me forget again, please. And Sophie Tudor's title (laughs) is Group Mom, but I'm not very physical. So go see your dad if you need a hug. Okay. That's fair. And Sophie's uh, given us a swap announcement writing. Oh, this is another great perk of being a patron. Sophie organises these these, uh, gift swaps with patrons from around the world. So nice. Done snacks and books and a few other things in the past. T-shirts. Now, Sophie writes, I don't know about everyone else, but my 2023 has been a bit of a shit show so far. Sorry to do that, Sophie. Um, I was just about to check. We went on a plane with her, but that was 2022. Because I was worried for a split second that we you ruined it. That. Yeah. That's right. We went on a Concord together. <laughs> so let's do something happy and fun. Later today, I will go to the nicest corner of the internet and post the sign up for Top Swap. Oh, maybe t shirts is coming out. That's what I've seen. Okay. It's a t shirt swap, but Top Swap is more fun to say. <laughs> you are 100% correct. Top Swap. Top Swap. Top Swap. Sorry for rambling. Jeez, that's so efficient. Not, yeah, not, not a at ramble, all a ramble. At all. Uh, sorry for rambling, and thank you so much for all the work you put into this network. You're the only three getting me through this year. Oh, Sophie, I really hope your year's picking up. We are, I mean, really appreciate all those swaps you do. Yeah, you such And just a, your vibe in general. Totally, so great. Such a great um we're so lucky to have you in our in our little community. You're so lovely. I fully concur with that. Feel very lucky to have you involved, yeah. Sophie. Dave? Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but- we've got we've got we do have so- such a lovely group. So, so lovely. And there's, you know, some some of them are our favourites. <laughs> Sophie's on the list. Sophie's she's in the top top one percent. The ones that organise <laughs> us to go on a Concord. Yeah. Absolutely up there. So nice. So lovely. Thank you so much, Sophie. Top swap. Top swap. It's fun to say. So fun. Uh, Daniel, William and Katie as well. Fantastic facts, quotes and questions. So, yeah, if you get on the Sydney Schomburg level, you can get involved in that as well. But, yeah, the top swap. Top swap. It'll be going all around the world. <laughs> so much fun. I wonder if I can get involved. Is anyone from Gary? Can someone send me some Gary merch? Oh, that'd be sick. Whoa. I've already got some great Gary yeah, merch. People have already sent that to you. I would say the bulk of my wardrobe is now Saints, Gary, or Meredith Music Festival. <laughs> yeah. A couple of friends are roms for good Oh, measure. that's true. That's true. It's pretty friends all heavy too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to the next part of the show where we like to thank a few of our other great supporters. Jess, you normally come on with a bit of a game based on Let's the name topic. their horse. Oh, fantastic. Nice. Of course, inspired by sugar. May I kick it off? Please. From Balaclava, appropriately. <laughs> Uh, here in Melbourne, Victoria, I'd love to thank Meg Haycroft, also very appropriate. Hey, <laughs> Balaclava. Gee, were you made for this episode, Meg? Meg's horse is, of course, called- Meg Nog. Meg Nog. <laughs> Meg That's so Meg good. Meg Nog. Meg Nog. I reckon Meg Nog is going to be a, a real champion horse, a real special horse, may oh, yeah. you say. Uh, thank you so much for all your support, Meg. Really appreciate it. Next up, I'd love to thank from Washington, D.C. in the United States, Stephen Major. Stephen Major, up from Capitol Hill. Yeah. What about uh, King Dolly? King, King Dolly. Dolly. Like King Wally, the famous <laughs> yeah. Queensland rugby player. League player. Apologies to rugby fans. <laughs> uh, thank Absolutely. you very much, Stephen Major, aka King Dolly. Dolly. Well, that's the horse. Oh, King- Stephen Major's riding King Dolly. Yes. To victory. To victory, yes. These are all in different races and all winning races. All group one. All group ones. Does that mean really good? That's like top. That's the wow. top group. Guys, I've logged on to a horse name generator. Oh, my God. This could change <laughs> our whole logged lives. Logged on. Give us- With the Duke on email. <laughs> How much spam will we be getting from the horse generator? <laughs> we already get so much spam. What do you What do you need? What, in- what inputs do you need to spit uh, something out? Nothing. Whoa. That works Beautiful. out really Here well. We go. All right, and uh, we can modify if we need to, but I doubt we will. This is a horse naming generator, yeah, after all. This. I'd love to also thank, finally from me, from Henderson in Nevada in the United States, it's Cynthia Sanford. Spooky whisper. Oh, my God. Okay, that is way better than what <laughs> we were doing. <laughs> with apologies to Meg Nog and King Dolly. No, hang on. I'm going to say they're pretty, they're pretty good. I think Spooky Whispers in the, in the right giving, ballpark. It's given me Spooky and Whisper separately. I've put them together. Yes. Oh, pr- so, so there's still a human involved here. Yeah. 100%. This could not happen without me. Okay. Spooky Whisper <laughs> is so great. Really I'll give good. you some more lovely names here, Please. Uh, I'd like to thank from Maura in Queensland or Moora. It's Dean Drennan. Toronto tap dance. <laughs> Did you bring them together as well? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. These are working better together than separate. Toronto Ma- tap dance. That Imagine calling like- a horse Toronto. Yawn. Toronto Tr- tap dance. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All my money on Toronto tap dance. <laughs> that sounds like an 11 to 8 horse if I've ever heard one. <laughs> TTD. Coming down the outside is Toronto, Toronto tap dance. That's fun to say. I would like to thank from Ridgecrest, California, it's Annabelle Martino. Stormy Goliath. Oh, <laughs> God, Stormy oh Glass is fantastic. I'm going to outsource everything to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, everything? <laughs> <laughs> everything. Naming my child? Well, 
yes. doing the shopping. Yeah. <laughs> what should I buy? <laughs> Stormy Goliath. All right. Okay. Well, sorry, honey. You asked for staples. <laughs> From East Grand Rapids in Michigan, it's the C3. White water bob. <laughs> White water bob. That's awesome. That is good fun. The C3 as well. Fantastic name. E Grand Rapids sounds like a place I'd like to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Is it my turn to thank some people? A grand. Yeah. Okay. I please. would love to thank from Scottsdale in Tasmania, Katie Salisbury. Uh, okay. Oh, Tornado Dreamer. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. There's no way we would have come up with anywhere near no. as good as these names. <laughs> Tornado Dreamer? That's Holy really good. shit. Um, I would also love to thank from Cannon Falls in is Minnesota. I reckon it is, yeah. Or Maine. No, Minnesota. Minnesota. I'd love to thank Andrew. Oh, Split Splitstozer. Wow. Andrew Splitstozer. That's incredible. All right. Um, From Cannon Falls. Uh, Jackpot Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> Jackpot Geronimo is taking them on the outside. Come down. Straight number one. Straight That's number good. one. How many sweats are there? I don't know. I've never seen a horse race. It could be a couple. Depends. Every track's different. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about them. Coming mm. straight down the corkscrew now. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping upside down. Oh, the jockey has fallen to his death. But the horse continues on and wins. Group Christ. one, slippery dip. <laughs> what happens if a jockey falls off and the horse still wins? It doesn't win, unfortunately. That's not fair. Yeah, the horse, the horse still won. The horse doing all the work. Yeah. That's not fair. Sorry, jockeys. Don't come but at me. If the ho- if the jockey hangs on, Matt. Yeah. And they die. Yeah, that was an early episode of Who Knew It asked that question. It was I a think funny they little loophole. Oh, they gave, I, they I, gave I, him the, the, pro, the, well, you know, the horse won, right? Yeah. That rings a bell. Was I there or have I just listened? You might have listened. I'm it was a, a Kirsty and Dave. Right. I'm a big fan of Oh, that's Who very knew nice. Bopper. It's my faves. Um, and not out of obligation. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are obliged. Oh, 100%. But I actually enjoy it. Um, <laughs> and finally, I would love to thank from Minneapolis- Cade and Matthew Kittens. Wow, Kittens. Great. All right, last one. Here we go. Cade and Matthew Kittens. Oh, Marengo Splash. Oh, my God. Marengo Splash. That sounds like that's got to be the cocktail in the Triptych Club tonight. Don't fucking tell me. Okay, no, you're right. No, fair. She's got the finger out. And she normally doesn't pull it out. No, that's serious. Yeah. Fucking, maybe you need to pull your finger out. Sorry about that, Bob. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. I'm so sorry about that, Bob. I stepped out of line there. I'm really sorry. Unbelievable. Please, Bob, please forgive me. I don't know that I can. Bob, can you forgive me and please uh, join me in thanking Cade, (laughs) Matthew, Andrew, Katie, The C, Annabelle, Dean, Cynthia, Stephen and Meg from Eggnog. And Eggnog's very good. Finally, I mean, imagine what we could have come up with if we went back in time and changed it to, to a world where there was no the horse dory. naming. <laughs> I'm going to use the horse name generator for, for other stuff too. Yeah, great. I think we got to bring that in. That could be a game changer each week. All right. Now, Dave, you're very good at explaining how the Triptych Club works. Well, the Triptych Club, it's our clubhouse, our hall of fame, if you will, our hangout zone to celebrate the people that have been supporting the show for three consecutive years. They've already had a shout out a couple of years back, but to thank them again, we induct them into this hall of fame called the Triptych Club. And inside it's a bar, it's a clubhouse, it's a gig, it's a chill out 
area. There's mm. there's a hockey table. There's billiards. Mm-hmm. There's bands that play. Jess is behind the bar. Every week she adds a new cocktail and a new hors d'oeuvre or a bit of food. So- <laughs> Must be stressful because you keep the the old menus still exist, right? These are just adding to an yeah. Every, there's every- now hundreds of drinks. But I think it helps that we kind of add slowly. Mm. So it's sort of, it really feels like every week I have to learn one new recipe. Yes. Um, and your mind is is very good at retaining old information. Yeah, and it's sort of I think it's muscle memory. Yeah, a lot of the time too, people will be like, "Can I have this?" and it's from like episode fifty, and I'm like, "Yeah, no worries." Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's nice, but yeah, it, it is a lot, but you know that's just part of the perks. I probably also, which is obviously a catchphrase, but the um, one of the helpful things as well is that most of the things you've put together over the last year are undrinkable. Yeah, they are. There's a lot of dog shit on there. <laughs> yeah, so it um, makes the choice a lot easier. Yeah, and very, very hot soup. Yeah, the soup is too hot. <laughs> the soup is and hot it is not cooling hot. down. Dangerously hot, some would say. I lost my mind that episode. I laughed episode. so hard. I loved it. It's I remember, too hot. I remember it well. I, I have a special cocktail this time. Oh, great. Um, it's called the Celestial Jelly Bean. <laughs> Um, and what I've done is I've got jelly bean infused vodka. Remember when we would, you would do that as a as a teenager? And uh, it's essentially just that, but then with other stuff. That sounds great. <laughs> I delicious. never did that as a teenager, but I love really? the You put the Skittles in vodka and you just let it sort of sit there and then you got Skittle flavoured vodka. No, but. Or with red rippers. Did the, no. Delicious. Oh, yes, I did that one. Yeah. I, um, and it goes red. Yeah. I love it. That delicious. sounds awesome, though. It was awesome. I, I did go to Frostbite, though, and they they had the sluppies, <laughs> slushies oh. of all, all those. Like the I used to love the musk flavored slushies. A musk slushy. So they'd be. I think they did that. They just had the. Yeah. But I paid a premium. You were doing it at home for yeah. much better value. Uh, Auntie Donna did it at one of their about tonight specials with vodka, and then the show was over, and we just had a lot of. Vodka left over, so we were just doing shots. Okay. And then I went to a pub where I went to Spleen because that's where everybody was because it was a Monday night. And I walked in thinking I looked quite sober. (laughs) And Adam Knox told me later that was not the case. (laughs) Were you on the lineup? Hi, everybody. They're like, oh, fuck. Were you on uh, on the show? Just catching up with friends. It would have been fun to see you on stage (laughs) off the chops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dave? Oh, wait. So, yeah, we've got a cocktail That's there. That's cocktail, yeah. And, Dave, do you have a band booked this You're time? You're never going to believe it. I have booked this week. I've been trying to get this guy for years. One of my all-time favourite songs. He'll be performing it. Peter Sarstedt, and he'll be performing Where Do You Go To, My Lovely. I want to know. So, a great track. No, different song to that one. Okay. What? <laughs> I, How uh, is it a different song to that one? I want to know. Yeah, No, I'm afraid it's a different what? song. Oh, okay. Uh, this what? One, it's Where Do You Go To My Lovely? Do you know that song? And, uh, and I th- no. It's amazing that I've booked him this week. This is the coincidence because he in the there's a lyric in the song where he says, Your name, it's heard in high places. You know the Aga Khan. He sent you a racehorse for Christmas and you keep it just for fun. For a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> how and is this a song you, you actually that? know? How do you? How did this, you- this is a great song. It's um, it's featured heavily in the film The Darjeeling Limited, the Wes Anderson movie. Have uh, you ever seen that? No, I haven't. It's a great track. Love it. Big fan. Wow. But when you said Aga Khan, that is why it rung a bell for me because of the Peter Sarstedt song. Uh, and wow. I booked him. Fantastic. And that's coincidence. Absolutely. Yeah, a beautiful wow. coincidence. Well, ha- week after week, he has an amazing coincidence. Yeah. Does that bring us up to the time where I start bringing some people in? Yeah. We've got eight. 
inductees this week. Great. Love to welcome in a uh, little theory of the mind. I'm standing on the door, about to lift the velvet rope. I've got a clipboard. If I read out your name, you jog on in because the crowd, everyone who's already in there is cheering your They're name. They're losing their freaking mind. Dave's on this stage. He's emceeing. He's hyping you up. Jess is hyping up. Dave. Yep. Are we ready? Yes. All right. I'm lifting the rope. Here we go. Dave, Please welcome. Hold my hand. Oh. From Manchester, New Hampshire, in the United States, it's Jill Stewart. It's a real thrill, Stewart. Woo! So put my hand out and shake Jill's hand. From address unknown, I can only assume from deep within the fortress of the moles, it's Tim Randall. I'm a real fan of Tim Randall. Yes. From Bree or Bray or Bree, it's from California, in the United States. It is Brandon Kilpatrick. Some people like their oysters, Kilpatrick. But I prefer my Brandon's yeah, Kilpatrick. Yeah, come on in, Brandon. From Orlando, Florida in the United States, it's Patrick Plamondon. Plamondon? I am a Flamondon. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to talk yeah. me through that one. No, just keep going. Uh, Don't p- ruin the flow. Plam. Orlando, uh, you're I've magic got, to me, plam. Patrick. I've got, I've got a Plam. Yes. It's to hang out with Patrick Plamondon. Yeah. From Cincinnati in God's Country, Ohio in the United States, it's Andrew Hetrick. This night is about to get Hetrick. Woo! Sounds a bit like hectic. Yeah. And a bit like Hattrick. Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a Hattrick. From Richmond in Virginia in the United States, it's Luna. I love you to the moon and back. From If you'll be, if you'll be my baby. From Edinburgh in Great Britain, it's Jasmine Lindeman. Jasmine, <laughs> uh, you're uh, you're coming in. Oh, you're the Linda man. You you da Linda man. There it That's is. That's pretty good. I was because written down it looks like Jasmine. I was gonna say you're, you're Jasmine, but that sounds weird. It does sound so, weird. So I've gone with you. Do, thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate you. Finally, from address unknown, can only assume again from within the fortress of the moles. It's Mariko. Mariko. The Frico. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> High five to make sure that they're in on yeah, the joke. They know that um, we mean that as praise. Welcome in Mariko, Jasmine, Luna, Andrew, Patrick, Brandon, Tim, and my cousin Jill. Uh, make yourselves at home. Grab yourself one of those drinks that Jess said. and The Celestial Jelly Bean. Have a listen to that. Peter Sars. Peter Sars. And from get the- some very hot soup from the 60s. <laughs> and let us know, Jess, anything we need to let them know. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to go onto that horse name generator, it's on thestoryshack.com forward slash tools forward slash horse hyphen name hyphen generator. Check it out. Um, I, I, I just picked up the pen. <laughs> what? I was going to try and write it down. <laughs> you can also suggest a topic. There's a link in the show notes. Um, and you don't have to be a Patreon to suggest a topic. If there's a story that you think would make for a good episode, send it our way. We love your suggestions. Um, and you can find us at Do Go On Pod across all social media and dogoonpod.com is our website. If you want to hear about future tours and live shows and that sort of stuff, we're behind the scenes talking about a, a few exciting things. Um, the Patreons will be the first to hear about it. But then if you follow us on social media, that's another place to find out. So mm-hmm. certainly you'll be the first to hear about and the first to be able to get tickets if you go to patreon.com slash do go on do go on pod and sign up on any level but also follow us on do go on pod on we're close to 10k on on instagram in particular whoa we'd really like to right now that's what a, that's almost half of what you have jess <laughs> could you send a couple our way mate on. Mm, i try but they're like no thanks no nerd tent <laughs> <laughs> we're just here for jess's hot girl era yes and boy, oh boy, are we in and We're in the thick of things. <laughs> I'm so freaking hot right <laughs> now. Oh, my God. 
You're hotter than this soup we're standing next to. Dave, boot this home. Hey, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, also thank you so much for listening. Until then, goodbye. Later. (sighs) Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.